What's the latest, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Episode 113, a special episode. We're going to talk McDonald's All-American selections. Obviously, the whole country, the whole grassroots community is talking about it. Here with my co-hosts, Ani Amana and Horace Naismith. Appreciate you guys jumping on. Uh, good afternoon. Appreciate you having us. I, um, I'm, I'm ready to get started, man. It's always a good time to talk about uh, McDonald's and what better time to do it than right now? The day of. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, so much yeah. chatter. There's always so much buildup. And you look online and social media and people just have the anticipation. And then when the picks come out, you know, most mostly there's not that much surprise, you know. But right. once in a while you'll have a year where there's a little bit of a, a shock pick. I don't really think we had that too much this year. You know, and uh, did anything off firsthand before we talk about who they are? Did anything really surprise you guys? No, nothing. Uh, nothing really surprised me. Um, I was actually surprised, even though we have some guys out in Texas that are in other uh, schools, but to have about four, five guys, I believe, in there, that was like, oh, <laughs> you know, that was that was interesting. That was interesting uh, to see that. And uh, I don't know what's last time we had. Been a minute since we had five guys from the from the area. Yeah, and and for me, the what stood out was Amari Bailey making it, being hurt, and being yeah. out of pocket for a while. And I thought there was some criteria around playing X number of games. I want to say fifty percent. And uh, he's him being out of pocket and, and and making it was a surprise to me. Gotcha. Yeah, let's um pull this up. As we as we talk about the McDonald's All Americans, and here's the list here: 2022 All Americans: Nick Smith, Derek Lively going to Duke, Mari Bailey, who you just mentioned, Horace, Keontae George, a Texas native at IMG at Baylor, Derek Whitehead at Montverde Academy going to Duke, Anthony Black from Duncanville undecided, Adam Bona, the monster from Prolific Prep going to UCLA, he plays so hard, Grady Dick from. Uh, Sunrise Christian, number one team in the country, going to Kansas, staying home. Jaden Bradley, point guard, IMG Academy, going to Alabama. Chris Livingston, obviously a great wing player, going to Kentucky from Oak Hill. Brandon Miller, also going to Alabama. Then we got uh, J.J. Phillips going to LSU at a Link, Link Academy. Mark Mitchell's had a good senior year, going to Duke. M.J. Rice, the strong wing, going to Kansas at a prolific prep. J.J. Starling, the guard. From Lalamere going to Notre Dame. Dylan Mitchell going to Texas. Dylan Mitchell's having a great season as well. Ontario Morris going to Texas as well, joining Dylan Mitchell. Kaysen Wallace going to Kentucky guard. Jarris Walker, who seems like he's been in high school for five years, six or six years. <laughs> right. That's done well. He's going to Houston. What a great pickup for Calvin Sampson. Cam Whitmore going to Villanova. He's from the DMV area. Kajani Wright, the big man out west, going to USC from Sierra Canyon. Khalil Ware, North Little Rock, going to Oregon. Jordan Walsh, the second player from Link Academy, going to Arkansas. And Ernest Udo, going to Kansas. So there's your 2022 uh, McDonald's All-Americans. And, guys, as we looked at that list, you know, we got three guys who are going to Duke. And I think we have one other school with three guys, Kansas. Did any of us, uh, where the guys are going, surprise you? Well, um, I, I tell you what, what's really, it's a surprise, right? Because whenever we think about SEC, we think about SEC football. SEC has seven, what's it, what, what is it, let me, two, four, six, seven McDonald's All-Americans? And that's not including Texas, which is going to be in, in the SEC in 2025. That was, to me, that's something to talk about. Yeah. I've, I yeah. noticed two guys from Alabama right away. That has never happened before. Now, again, is that obviously they're doing a good job down there with the crew recruits they have. And, you know, somebody told me that watches college basketball. He doesn't really watch. He's a buddy of mine, and he doesn't really watch follow the high school scene too much. But he goes, man, I watch SEC games all the time. They're really good. Like the level, the uh, – mm -hmm 
pageantry and just the the intensity of like LSU versus Kentucky or Alabama versus Kentucky, you know, Tennessee. whatever matchup there is, the games just yeah. seem good. Right. Now, no, is that it's... because of TV or, or just because they've increased their recruiting and, uh, you know, they want to battle the top conferences? I think it's re- increasing the recruiting. You know, I just think the town level just <laughs> – you definitely yeah. see it like every conference game that I've watched has just been – you know, a high level, like we, we talked about Alabama, LSU, Tennessee, even Texas A&M and Kentucky was a big time game. Uh, you know, you just, there's just high level uh, basketball in SEC right now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guys, down here and I'm down here in SEC country, man. And it, it's, and guess what? Auburn didn't have one. The best team in the conference <laughs> right. didn't have one. Yeah. You know? I think, you know, I think people are going to be really interesting to see how Auburn does in this tournament. Obviously, they have a guy who may be the number one pick. Uh, you know, getting off the topic a little bit, what do you guys think about that? you think they're riding his back and can go far, or do you think they're just number one now? I think they got a chance. Yeah, Donnie. Oh, my bad, my bad. <laughs> no, 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 you good, you good. I, I, I think they got a chance. I mean, Auburn, Auburn's talented front. You know, the backcourt's been playing really well. The front court, especially with Kessler and, uh, and Smith. I mean, I, I think they got good depth. Good length. They're playing hard. They're playing together. I think they're a team that can make a Final Four run, make it really interesting. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting. Not until um, the 2002 Maryland team with Juan Dixon in that group. I think they had Steve Blake. That was the first year after the McDonald's game was created in 1977 that there wasn't a McDonald's All-American on a national championship roster. And I think since then it might have happened one more time. But it's only happened like two times in 40 years. So obviously the guys who make this game, like you said, are going to help a team win the championship more than, you know, 98% of the time or whatever. It's only two times in 40 years, whatever the math on that is. So very interesting. Um, we kind of talked about the, the high line. Wanted to uh, break down a little bit more um, breakdown. You know, Nike, we, we break it down by kind of like the grassroots circuit or by the circuit they play on. I know, Ma, Ani, you pay attention to this a lot. We came up with some numbers, 11 for Nike, 7 for Adidas, 3 for UAA, the Under Armour, 2 UAA Rise, and 1 Independent. Ani, who's the Independent? And just kind of give me your your reaction to the, those numbers of the 24. Uh, the, first, the Independent is Anthony Black, uh, who's I think was the only one that was undecided. On that, uh, yeah. yeah, and then you know we we talked about in the previous episodes about just uh, his situation, how UIL uh, said no to him at, at Duncanville for playing, and how he's fighting now. Now he's playing at Duncanville, yeah. and he's had a good season. At one point, they're number one in the country. So Anthony Black, a six-seven yeah. guard, you know, yeah. pri- primary plays on the ball a lot, athletic, good vision as a pat, uh, good vision really excels in pick and roll athletic and guard multiple spots. Um, you know, pre- just been a winner, you know, even in the summer with 3d empire, I know they won the NY to LA uh, championship and they beat a lot of circuit teams uh, during the summer. So Anthony black had just been, you know, winning and producing the summer. This, this past summer was huge and, you know, going to dunk, I think they're number two right now yeah, in, in the current ranking. So that's uh you know, that's the only independent, but, you know, for sure, I think he deserves it just with productivity and winning. Yeah, that, that makes sense. He, he definitely de- deserves it. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, Horace, you have any thoughts on those numbers? The 11, 7 Adidas, one independent, and, and, a, and I guess the UAA rise and UAA, let's count it as five, unless we want to break that down. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's par for the course, right? You know, yeah. so – you know, the rich uh, get richer, you know, whether it's a school situation, uh, you know, Duke of Kentucky or or sure. uh, the certain situation with with Nike, Under Armour and Adidas. Um, you know, they do a good job, you know, marketing their 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 uh, grassroots programs. So yeah. it's no surprise that those kids play in those environments <clears throat> because they play against the best and that's where the best are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would think even the numbers are getting a little more balanced. I, I think. A few years ago, if I remember the chatter on Twitter, like Nike had one year where they had 19 or 20, maybe even 21. That was only probably right before the pandemic. So those numbers have even balanced out a little bit more, which is good. Competition breeds better basketball. You would assume, you know, better product. You know, if you if you slack, somebody's there to pick up the the pieces. You know, if one shoe company slacks, another shoe company is going to snatch a good player up. That's just 
the way it works. That's the only thing I'd, I, I would have, uh, um, you know, to have a kid play Adidas or Under Armour for yeah. three years, four years, and the one year he plays with Nike that last year, to me, it's like, mm, you know, it's it's kind of one of those gray areas to me. Sure, you know sure. what I mean? Guys can jump and around. Of course, yeah. it's like an AAU program. They'll they'll say a kid played for them if they he played two tournaments. <laughs> right, right. They play one game. You know? Yeah. Well, so yeah right. Like you said, why develop when you can let somebody else spend gas money, spend flights, spend hotel rooms, and then you just pick him up after he's already established himself as one of the top players. And, I mean Nike has done that when they sign, you know, Zion and 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 you know guys like that, and, and right. because why? Because they can get who they want at the end of the day, right? right. Yeah. You know. It's, so uh, I, I to your point, to your point though, I think it has evened out. Yeah, it seems like it's evened out a little bit more to have seven guys from Adidas. That's a, that's a again, competition breeds better players, breeds better products. So that's a good good thing, uh, I think overall for the health of the whole uh, industry and the whole circuit. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the NIBC and, and their dominance and, and what I saw. And that's more from the team perspective. Nine players I'm counting from those NIBC clubs who play in the league now. Uh, Bradley Walker and Keontae George from IMG. Grady Dick and Mitchell from Sunrise. Whitehead and Mitchell from Montverde. J.J. Starling from La Lamere and Chris Livingston from Oak Hill. Uh, Ani, go first. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you see nine guys from that, you know, conference and basically, you know, the another whatever it is, the number from the rest of the country? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't too surprising. Like we talked yeah. about, uh, in the NIBCs kind of become like the SEC of high school basketball, yeah. uh, especially in the top at its top tier. When you talk about tier one and tier two teams, so yeah. I'm saying nine guys from there most definitely can makes sense and those nine guys that deserve it too is not I don't think there was any questionable guys out of that nine. I think there's nine guys that have been having fantastic seasons so far and had really good summers. So yeah, it wasn't too surprising. I mean I I mean in IBC, especially when you talk Oak Hill who's coming along now, yeah. uh Lalu, uh Monverde, Sunrise, IMG, you know, those are the teams that have been up there in the IBC this year. Yeah. Forrest, did do you uh have any thoughts on just the yeah. dominance of the top teams, and obviously the top teams are producing the top players. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's great. I think it's great for those kids to be put in that environment as they prepare for that next level. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nothing like you know competition. If you know, if I'm one of those guys, I don't want to play against you know Joey, <laughs> who's you know six feet center. You know, yeah. while I'm trying to get ready to play college <laughs> basketball, <laughs> right? So why not why not be in this environment? Now there's some great programs out there outside of the NIBC, but, you know, to, to, to be put into that fire on a regular basis, I mean, what's better? I mean, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. And I, I say the same thing too. Uh, you know, I have my thoughts about it. I remember when I followed the McDonald's game when I was younger and of course you were probably following it too. And obviously you were playing is, you that's know, a shot at my age. Man. I, yeah, I see. That's a shot at my age. Well, go ahead. Yeah, no. <laughs> you can backdoor that, man. I try. Yeah, I, got, no. I ain't gonna tell nobody how old you are, and, and I ain't gonna tell nobody how old Ani is either. So, <laughs> the, I'm uh, definitely old. <laughs> so, when you got when I first saw two guys from the same team, for the first ten years or so, there was no guys from the same team. It was twenty four guys from twenty four programs, and then. um Flint Hill Prep did it, you know, with uh, Stu Vetter. And then Oak Hill started doing it consistently. Like by 90, 91, 92, 93, they were doing it consistently. So when you see in 2019, IMG had three on their national championship team. And now they have three again in four years. You know, does that kind of like, wow, is that what this game was in essence made for? To have three guys from one team, when you think of all the high school teams in the country, there's 50 I rank every week. There's another 100 that are really, really good, and there's probably 20,000 teams, you know, and then three guys are from one team. What's your guys' first thought on that? Or is it just, hey, the best players are the best players, and that's how it works? Yeah, where's you go? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I just think because of – how um, everything has been, all this, you know, who wants to smoke type challenges yeah. that you see in the summertime and in, 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 in yeah. grassroots basketball that, 
everybody wants to be put in these environments where they're competing uh, every night. If you have a night off, it looks like you had a night off. You know, in a regular environment, you could have a night off and still score 20, right? I know a kid that's at one of the NIBC schools, um, and he can literally uh, sleepwalk to 20, 25 points and 10 rebounds. Now he's in this environment, he's fighting to get 10 points. So I think it wasn't made for that. The game itself was, but I think like everything else, you know, you kind of migrate to situations. And I think we've migrated to this situation because everybody wants to see the best against the best. Right. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. I, I, I would have to agree with that. Again, it's still a little shocking. When I first saw the IMG guys, I was like, whoa, it was, it was the kid at the forward at Villanova on that great team they had a few years ago that, that won the uh, Geico Nationals. And it's just like three guys from one team. But I was like, hey, you know what? It used to be two guys from one team was shocking. And, and then, you know, obviously any school would be honored to have a McDonald's All-American. And it seems like we have two guys. Do we have two guys from other schools too, right? Do we have two guys from Richardson? Uh, no, we just have um, one. Casey. Just Casey. Okay. You think it ever go? You think we'll ever see it where a school has more than three? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> I hope because it's just like four fifths of your roster. Like, <laughs> right? It's just like four fifths of your starting five. I mean, well, Montverde came really close. Yeah. I mean, every yeah. year it's to a get pretty close. Team. Yeah, yeah. the two twenty team had three guys too, and they mm-hmm. came through. That team was really good. Like when you think of, uh, and they had three top draft picks, right? Cade. And they had uh, Scotty, who's now down in Orlando. Right. And the big kid. Yeah, he was early uh, second or late first. Uh, yeah. yeah. What's his name? I just, his name escapes me. Real Sharp, quick. Sharp, wasn't it? Dayron Sharp. Dayron Sharp. Dayron Sharp, right? Dayron Sharp. Dayron mm-hmm. Sharp. Shaden yeah, Sharp's yeah. obviously the, the top kid, one of the top kids in this class. Yeah, Dayron Sharp. And then they had a fourth kid that was right on the cusp. Right. Moses Moody, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Moses Moody was right there. He was just a little off, but like you said, Forrest, Moses Moody, all those guys averaging twelve points a game, basically, yeah. except for yeah. Cade. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cade was, I think, at thirteen nine. And I have an episode. You go back to an old episode, the end of the paint show. We talked about the greatest high school teams of all time. Broke it down with all the coaches, and that's one of them uh, that we had on with Kevin Bowen talking about that team. We talked about the ninety three Oak Hill team, which had two guys. They had uh, Jeff McGinnis and Jerry Stackhouse, who was kind of like a, a number one guy or number two guy. And then, you know, Jeff was a top 20 guy, but they had Maktar and Jai, and they had a few other guys that were right there. Right. Even that to me was like, wow, at that time, those I thought like those teams are so much better than the than the high school teams. And that was the third straight year that Old Kill had two McDonald's All-Americans. They had, uh, they had Chris Davis, and they had, I think, Martise Moore in 1992. And then they had their assistant assistant coach, the point guard who went to Virginia, Corey Alexander, and they had uh, Ben Davis who ended up at Arizona in 1991. So it started. It was starting in the night, early 90s that like Oak Hill had two guys, and then it was started like becoming kind of uh, common. Like okay, two guys is not a big deal. So again, like you said, we're at three now. <laughs> and she yeah, and three, yeah, here. three. Are getting three. Well, you know what the trick would be? The trick would be if one of the regular high schools had two, right? Yeah. Yeah, and they do. I mean, they've had it. You look at Sierra Canyon has two because Johnny Wright. Yeah, and yeah, and they're kind of in between, right? Yeah, to me, yeah. Sierra Canyon is like in between because they can still yeah, go get yeah. somebody, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> state title, but you're right. They're the 10th team in the country, but they get players. They've had players from various right. parts of the country. And, you know, it, it's happened. There's been two guys – who've been to the same public high school or to the same high school that's placed for a state title. And that, that's always neat to see, especially if they grew up together, right. you know, like, especially if they kind of grew up around the same thing. Ani, I want to get your take, because there's been a lot of talk on social media. How many guys are from a general, like, Dallas metropolitan area in this game or from a general vicinity in Texas? Five. So there's so, five. Guys. Yeah, so Jordan, Jordan Walls from, like, the Oak Cliff yeah. area. Okay. Uh, well, really, Cedar Hill, uh, Keontae Louisville, uh, Arterio Morris, uh, South Dallas. Um, who, who else we had? Kaysen, Richardson, and then the other one, Anthony Black. Well, Duncanville, but you know, okay. was at Capel. Okay. Yeah, so we have five from uh, uh, from the DFW area. Yeah, wow, and that's very that's pretty strong. 
Yeah. Yeah. Thousand to twenty two classes is very, very strong. So just so for you listeners around the country, you know what colleges are around that metro metro play, like that metropolitan area. What so you got you got TCU, okay. um, SMU, okay, UNT, UTA, um that's about it. I mean, it's that's so easy, like you can and what's well, so great is like I can, yeah. I can catch a college game like like yeah. tonight. TCU plays Texas at yeah. TCU. Like right. you know, just it's it's just great. The we got like four legitimate yeah. like Division one schools that you can just. So, but my point is, those schools got their homework. I mean, they got some work to do. Oh so, yeah, because if you got five McDonald's All Americans right in that vicinity, <laughs> are you you know you recruiting to see them at a game again? They all went to different schools, but it's hard. You got to keep up because, like you said, that's it's a problem that's happened in many places where guys keep leaving the area. It's happening right. in Los Angeles. It's happening in other places. I'm sure it's happening in Georgia too, horse. Happens a lot. And and, and, and like at TCU and SMU, yeah. they like for them to get a kid like that currently, like they would have to identify them early. Like very like kind of early before and really get on it early. You know, they can't go in when like Baylor <laughs> steps in or like they can't right, come in right, late. Right, right, like the kids. Right. They gotta they gotta get in early and attack it really hard, you know. Yeah. Is that the situation too you think with Georgia, uh Georgia Tech uh right now? Uh well, I, I, what, I think how's so. it going recruiting in, in that metro place? Because there's great talent. Obviously this is not a great senior class in Georgia, but there's been some really good senior classes right recently. There's been some great classes. I, I just think um yeah. With Georgia Tech, it's, it's an academic situation, right? Mm-hmm. So they have to go down a road where if you're an elite player and you have those sort of academics, now you're looking at a Stanford and Duke, you know, as opposed to, say, gotcha. uh, Georgia Tech. Now, I think they're doing a great job at Tech. I, I mean, a really, really good job. I think mm-hmm. Passner's done a great job. Um, who would have thought that they would have been in position to win that, you know, ACC tournament, you know? Yeah. So – He's done a good job. Georgia, on the other hand, is a little different. I really think the perception of Georgia is you can't go there and be a pro. That's a perception. I don't know what the reality is, right? You know, Anthony Edwards was there. Uh, KCP was there. Um, you've had guys there, and you've got, had guys one and done there. But they just can't seem to get past that, that mindset. Auburn is essentially a Georgia school. They literally, Bruce Pearl literally can come into Georgia and get who he wants. It's crazy. You know, I mean, he's got an infectious personality, you know what I mean? So he does a great job. People like him. And I just think, um, I don't know. It, it, it's, they've done a good job. I'm not going to take anything away from the other guys. They just need to do a better job and keep the, uh, the talent in state. There's no way Walker Kessler should have not gone to UGA. Wow. Yeah, dad went there, uncle went there, mom went there. I met Kessler at a Georgia game. His brother went there. Aren't they in the Hall of Fame? Huh? Isn't that family like in the Hall of Fame or something like that? They should be because, you know, uh, Alan Kessler was a a lottery pick, Mm -hmm. you know, played played at Miami, first round pick or whatever, and um, unfortunately died on the father-son game, at a father-son game. Um, you know, that's, that's his, that's his, his uncle. Um, he's had a sister that played, uh, she was the only one that didn't go to Georgia. She went to LSU, I believe it was, uh, played volleyball, but they have to do a better job keeping kids like that home. They really do. Yeah. And that's one of the keys recruiting is difficult. Just like we said with, with Dallas area, uh, you know, UCLA and USC are doing a lot better job in recent years and it's showing on the court. I mean, it's made a difference on the court. You had, look what USC mm-hmm. did with Onyeka Kongu. Obviously, Evan Mobley, he did good in his one year there. They have the brother yeah. there. You got to have the right recruiter. And obviously, his father joined the staff, and that was a great, a great move by their head coach to bring the father. It, it's it's giving right. him knowledge. You know, I mean, it, it pays mm-hmm. off in a certain respect. So yeah, you got to start at home. Some schools do a good job, and some schools do a job good job nationally. Obviously, as we see with some of these McDonald's All American picks, like you said, I. Alabama, that's really awesome. But, you know, they've done some really good work in the tournament. They Mm -hmm. also played against UCLA in that game. Like you said, when you have eyeballs in a certain week, it's really good. It's really devastating when a team loses 
in that second round game, like a good program. Why I always say because the media, when you get to the Sweet 16, the media talks for you for another five days or six days. Right. All over right. the country. You got people are going to talk about you. It's really hard when you're a really good team to lose in that second round because you don't get that extra week of publicity. You know, so it, it's Alabama's done a good job, and so so is another few teams. Well, they so had a fun. I'm going to say this one thing, uh, Randy. It had a, you know, having a fun style yeah. of, of basketball, it yeah. makes it, it makes up for a lot. You know, when a kid is looking at Alabama play and, you know, they're letting their bigs, you know, <laughs> every big wants to be a wing these days. Right? <laughs> they grab and go. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it, it's a situation where, you know, they feel like that school or schools like that, fun environments for me to play at. Why yeah. not go to Alabama and play? Or any other school that's in that situation. Correct. Yeah, I agree with yeah. you. It seems that that's what's happening a little bit with, with um, Arizona. You know, they had that the thing, the cloud hanging over Sean Miller a little bit. They had good talent, but everything seems so tight and so tight lipped. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody knew where to turn. Man, is he gonna get fired? Is he gonna get let go? They bring in the Gonzaga top as Gonzaga assistant, and man, they're every like this pressure's off. They're just playing ball and they're having right. fun. Honestly, yeah. as you as you listen to this pod, UCLA is going to play Arizona uh, as this pod is being shot later on. By the time you listen to this, that you'll probably that game will probably be uh, already decided. But you know that's a big game for that program, and that's a big game for UCLA too. You know Arizona don't have a lot of McDonald's All Americans, but they got a good system, and hey, like you said, they're having fun. That's my dark horse to win it all. Wow! Is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I must yeah. say something. I, I watched the Tennessee yeah. game. I watched the Illinois game with Big Kofi. They won there in, in Champaign. I, I couldn't believe. Now, once in a while, I'll go to a game and I'll say this is bad. The Arizona-Tennessee game was the worst officiated game I've seen in 15 to 20. Horrible. Years. It yeah. was awful. That was bad. It was awful. That was bad. And But I think it that did Arizona a favor. Say, so, you know what? We almost still won. We, let's, we, we know we can beat. If we beat the, if we meet this team in the 16 or the 8, we'll get them at a neutral court. You know what I mean? I right. think that's what, you know, Tommy Lloyd probably took that angle because that, that game was crazy. I just had to mention that because that's the worst game I've seen in a while officiated. I mean, a long time. The, the game I really kind of turned my – and, Horace, you might have a game that you look at it different because you play college basketball. And it, it's like when I, was a, when I was a fan when I was younger – you know, I'd watch college. I had my teams. And I, as I told Ani on a, on a podcast earlier, I said, if you liked UNLV, you immediately liked the Fab Five. Once UNLV left, you went to the Fab Five. That was just a natural procession, you know. And and later on, I was watching that Duke-Arizona game in the ch 2001 championship. And the 2001 semifinal against Maryland, a lot of the fans were booing the calls because they thought Maryland was getting hosed. And then in that championship game, I no longer looked at it from that point forward. It was never, I was never a fan per se of it. Like I was before it was business. It was like, yes. I loved college basketball, but it was never the same. Like yeah. Jason guard, Jason Williams fell on Jason Gardner. And they, that would have been his third foul. They didn't call it. Jason Gardner got hit against to the stanchion against Shane Badier. They didn't call it. I was like, okay, I get it. Like, so did so did you miss the UCF class. Duke game? Did you miss the UCF Duke game? Wow. When Duke played UCF, that? and when Zion Williamson just completely yeah his dude out. I mean, it, <laughs> it was called so nothing. It was it was crazy. Yeah. See, but at, at that again, after that 2001 game, I never, I'm no longer surprised. You know what I mean? Like right. that game completely changed where I look at, and it, and it probably changed it for good. I'm no longer a young guy. I've got to grow up at some point. You know what right. I mean? Like that's life. You know, so, narratives will be painted. Yeah. I remember, <laughs> the thing I remember about that tournament game is the one where they missed it at the buzzer, right? Somebody missed a, a dunk or a putback at the buzzer that would have beat Duke, and then Duke lost the next game. That's what I Oh, yeah, about. yeah. That was uh, Johnny Dawkins' yeah. son. Okay, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Johnny Johnny Dawkins' son was involved in every play at the end of the game, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I remember <laughs> you that. You know? And I said, Duke's going to lose. I, I kind of knew Duke probably wasn't going to win the tournament, and then they lost the next game. I, I just, right. They got a little stagnant, but we're, we're just talking about the great things we've seen and we're getting a little off topic, but it's still relevant to what we're saying, Absolutely. fit and getting the horses. You got to have the horses. And then the yeah. second thing is horse said is fit, having fun.
being in the right situation. So let's move on. Florida had six six guys, or the state of Florida had six guys. California had four this year. Texas had four. But again, we're counting on where they're going to school, which right. is a little different than where they grew up. So, Ana, you mentioned it. There's five guys from the greater Dallas Metroplex. That's very interesting. Now let's talk about the game itself. Guys, uh, put you on the spot a little bit. And, Ana, you go first. Uh, what's the one thing you like to see changed or upgraded and, and how they pick the team? Well, <clears throat> I'm going to take Horace's answer. I'm going to go brief on it. But it was kind of the same thing I was uh, – or I think you, Ronnie, one of, one of y'all kind of talked about it. But yeah. I just feel like, you know, getting more of the, the voters just out there more to see more, like, the games and the, and the players, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I do feel like that is kind of lacking a little bit uh, or some, somewhat really just, you know, there needs to be events or there's just got to get some more of the voters out there watching these, these, these games and these teams more and these players. Uh, I don't think that from across the board is where it needs to be. Uh, I w- I would say that, and I, and I can I can kind of speak that just you know, just from <clears throat> what I've seen, like it's not it's not where it needs to be. Okay, and Horace, what do you think? Uh, Ani, you're definitely not off in saying that. Uh, so so for me, part of it is I think we treat or they treat the uh, McDonald's voting board as if it's the Supreme Court. Like you're on it and you're on it forever. And I know I know guys that don't vote; they have someone else vote for them. They don't go to any games, right? And that's a fact. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really understand if they want to still be on because they feel good to have their name associated yeah, with the game. Interesting. Yeah. It's just you know they could be honorary members, but yeah. I I just think you need to shake it up every few years, particularly if guys aren't to Ani's point. If you're not getting out and seeing games, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not getting out and seeing games, you shouldn't be a voter. And I think sometimes um, that that affects. You know, we saw talking about who got snubbed um, or really, you know, the, the tie goes to the runner and the tie is the kid that went to Duke or the kid that went to Pittsburgh. The Duke guy gets it right. Right. Uh, because he's Duke. So I really think that there needs to be some shakeup in the in the, in the guys that are voting. Just me okay. personally. Yeah. OK, I'll kind of take a little bit about both of what you said. And I kind of came up with a quick little scenario or a little bit of a, a, you know, some kind of criteria that to Ani's point, I think you should have some designated events that are designated as McDonald's events where there's going to be a lot of the voters or the voters are pressed to go like, or, Hey, we want you to go. It could be who Paul could be uh, the EYBL peace jam could mm-hmm. be angles, all American camp, NBA top 100 uh, city of Palms, whatever it is. So let's say it's 12 or 15. And as a voter, you have to show that you've gone to five or six of those. You got to go to five or six. So, of course, things happen. Key, you get sick. There's COVID. There's travel issues. But let's say there's twelve. Let's say there's twelve events. You got to go to five of them. And if you don't do it for two years consecutively, you're, you're you say, hey, I'm you're off. They just keep track. Hey, you didn't go to the vote. I something like that. Whereas, and that would help those events be prestigious. Like who wouldn't want to run an event? Whether it's New York to L.A., Dino's Pangos Camp. Mm-hmm. NBA players were like, hey, this is a, a McDonald's <laughs> All-American um, designated event where there's going to be multiple voters in attendance. You know, again, choose 20. I don't know. Whatever the percentage may be, I just think something like that would work. Like you said, have it above board where people understand. And then, uh, you know, if you get removed, if you're over 65, you know, obviously people in America work to about 65, 63 years old. You know, you go to the Emeritus Committee or you go to the Veterans Committee where they honor you where you have input, where you, you're a consultant, you know, if you're over 65 or 70 and you're not traveling no more, which is, which is fine. Nobody has a problem. Yeah. I think. yeah. But you still yeah. have some kind of influence or you still see the ballot and Hey, I know this, or I saw this, or I know this player. So I, I think just a little bit of that. So it's taking a little bit of both of your guys. I, I think the committee does a good job overall. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Absolutely. there's not a lot of big complaints this year. I, I don't think there's people going. No, I don't. I, I think, in terms of, you know, we started the conversation off with snubs. I I, yeah. I was trying to find one. I don't know if I could find a snub. Can yeah. you make an argument for a kid? Yeah, Absolutely. you could. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't, yeah, I don't think there was uh, anyone. I got snubbed. You know, yeah. which Fino, Johan, you could make arguments for. 
Uh, but snubbed? No. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, let's, yeah, that's, and it's not, those are not big things. Those were just things that we thought we could mention that be kind of not too hard to implement and it would make it the process a little better for everybody around the country. Um, as we're speaking about snubs, uh, Ani, I know you wanted to mention a player, and I have a, a couple players I want to mention. Go ahead and, and talk about who you thought probably was one of the 24 guys. Yeah, for me, I, I thought Malik Renew. Uh, that's, um, I believe he's going, uh, where did he commit to? Uh, was it Florida? I want to say I think it's Florida. Florida. Uh, this yeah. Florida, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Montverde, uh, been a really uh, impactful player for them. Had a really strong summer with uh, 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 with the Florida EYBL team. Uh, uh, Night Riders. He was at Night Riders. And then uh, had a really good summer. And then I thought just you know during the season and NIBC sessions, I think he, I thought he's been really good. Been like a borderline double double guy. Uh, in the game against Duncanville, who's fantastic. I thought he was a big reason that they even made the comeback and, you know, were up by one or up by two till, you know, the, the game winner. So I think he's been fantastic this year. I think he's uh, he's shown his versatility, his inside-out game, and, and just, you know, has a winning pedigree. Let me jump in there on that. Dylan Mitchell, was he going to Texas for Montverde? Was he going to make this game seven months ago? You think eight months ago? Uh, no, no, no. Oh. Okay, so the reason I brought that up is maybe is him, his step up in performance and him making the game maybe hurt his teammate or his teammates a little bit who could have been. Yeah, because they both they both basically play the same position. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's I could see that, like you said. So sometimes, to Horace's point, it's like I'm gonna want better competition, and but when some guy comes into your program. That changes your dynamic. I think Sarah Cannon has a little bit of that dynamic right now because mm-hmm. they got Amari Bailey who's missing games, playing games, missing games. They got Isaiah Ihulim who's a top five player in his class. Kajani Wright who made the McDonald's All-American game. He, he barely scores sometimes. He barely scores because they got Mikey Price who's a top 100 guy in the junior class. They got Bronny who takes plenty mm-hmm. of shots, you know. So it's like you said, the, when sometimes when you're playing with a lot of guys, a lot of talented guys, the fit changes – or what you, how it goes down changes. Uh, what do you guys think about um, Sky Clark coming back? How do you do? You think he's going to be healthy? Obviously, he didn't make the game. Obviously, they have a lot of other good guys. You know, where do you see him projecting? What do you see happening with Sky Clark? That horse you got. Well, I think. I mean, I, me personally, I need to see a lot more. I mean, I've yeah. really seen a lot <laughs> of them. So yeah, sure. it's it's really hard to um, to say. He came to Atlanta and played. Yeah. Uh, before he got hurt the first summer of the pandemic. And, sure. um, you know, wanted to see more out of him, you know, sure. from that point. Um, I know guys have been around him that speak highly of him, yeah. but he's been hurt. So it's really hard to put my finger on yeah. what I expect out of him down the road, you yeah. know, as a player at Kentucky. It's going to be right. really hard. Right. That's kind of where I'm at. You know, <clears throat> you can tell he's still playing through, like, the rust of not, not playing. I think there was a – he came down to Dallas and played like a game or two. Yeah. Uh, and he was just okay there. I'm like, Horace, just there's not enough of a sample size in the past, like yeah. really two years, honestly, like yeah. to really get yeah. a feel for like where he's projected, where he's going. Projected yeah. And like what, like, like Horace said, what's expectations at Kentucky? What does that look like, you know, yeah, going right. to his freshman year? Uh, yeah. Because he's, he has just hasn't played for a while. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about. I mentioned Dayron Sharp, and, and I met him, and I said Shaden Sharp. Mm-hmm. I meant, and I meant Dayron Sharp from from Montverde, the big guy. Uh, Shaden Sharp is he not going to play this year? He's any games, and now you know he was the top guy in this class as a postgraduate. He wouldn't have been eligible for the McDonald's game if he would have right. stayed in this class. Uh, do you guys think he's projecting that high over guys who have college games and more experience? Because when I seen the last I seen him at at uh, who Paul Weston at the Border League, I right now, frankly, didn't see a top seven or eight pick. But again, yeah. that's just you know my pick. So, what do you guys think based on who is eligible for this draft and like where is he going? Is he does he, you know, what what what's his situation? Uh, I'm hearing that he's going to go in the 22 draft. I heard he's going to yeah. declare. Uh, and from what I've been hearing, from what I've been gathering, they are looking at him like as a five number, like a five to ten uh, pick. Yeah, yeah. so. 
from what I'm hearing, I, I, I'm like, he's about 99% sure that he's going to clear. Sure, sure. And Horace, do you have any thought or like, do you think, Man, hey, well, if we're going to pick you that high, I'm going, you know? I mean, yeah, absolutely. And if anybody can do it or any school can have a kid do that, right? right. It's Kentucky. Right, sure. right, right. We've seen guys sit out an entire year and, and yeah. get drafted. Um, so I think that's possible now. Dwayne Washington said it's, it's not happening, right? That's his guy. Mm-hmm. And I tried to reach out to him uh, the other day to talk to him about that, but uh, he didn't pick up. So I didn't get the information I needed. But uh, he's saying he's coming back. He's got no thoughts of leaving. Um, but it's like the coach that says, I love my school. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and two days later, he's gone. <laughs> you know, right. And we know, and we know how, we know how the, uh, information could go about, you know, yeah. So let me throw my picks out there as we continue on snubs. I thought these two guys deserved a little bit more. Uh, maybe they could have made it. I kind of understand why they didn't. One is a little heavier than the other. Colin Chandler, the guard, going to be like BYU, it. and mm-hmm. Judah Mintz, who we talked about on the episode mm-hmm. one, one uh, 12 last week. Ani, uh, again, numbers game, I think, with Judah Mintz. I think he came on a little too late. You know, he's a tough player, the Oak Hill guard. Again, coach at Gonzaga, Steve Turner, told me how good he was in the preseason, even though he was no longer part of his program. I think he was right on the money. The guy's really good. Yes. Um, Colin Chandler, he went to Pangos All-American Camp, did good. Again, is he a little too, little too late? Johnny come lately, not at the right high school. Is he ups and downs, not as consistent? Um, you know, what is your guys' take on Colin Chandler? I, I, I like Colin Chandler a lot. He played well at the NBA camp. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's one of those Grady Dick, Colin Chandler, you know, yeah. to me. Right. They're both really good shooters. Uh, I love the energy that they play with, uh, the fire that they play with, the competitiveness that they play with. Uh, Again, that's one of those guys you could say, hmm, I can make a real argument that he should be there. Yeah. You know, Um, so, again, I don't know so much if it's if it's a snub, but um, I I think there's definitely an argument to be made for him being in there. It's funny. Someone mentioned him uh, to me before before this uh, podcast that that's a kid that should have been uh, in the game. And I, yeah. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think he has, a, he, he, he made himself a strong case to make the game. I thought he got better throughout the summer. I think starting uh Pango's all American camp where he had a, I thought he had a really good showing like horse at NBA top 100 camp. He was really good. Um, mm-hmm. He finished out that July really strong. I didn't really keep up with him much since uh, the high school season. So I don't know exactly how that's kind of been going for him. But I thought from like Pango's All-American camp through, he was really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yo, you're, you're right. And, and you know, that those are two big events. And obviously he's going to have a great career. I think he might go on a Mormon mission, if I'm not mistaken. He will. Yeah. yeah he on a Mormon mission. So we'll see how, how, he, how he looks. And when he comes back, a guy I always think about, Horace, you'll remember him when going on a Mormon mission is the – he was a quarterback in high school, and he went to BYU. Big quarterback, 6'8", Michael Smith. He was actually a backup for the Celtics. <laughs> Michael Smith, Horace. Uh, I do. Well, well yeah. you know, all those guys, BYU, man, they take yeah. that trip, and they come back, and they're looking like grown men. Yeah. And, you know, it's, like, yeah. it's almost unfair to some yeah. of these guys, man. Yeah, it's very interesting. That this Danny Ainge crew, that crew yeah. with Danny Ainge, yeah. man, those guys are like grown men out there. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. I remember when Danny Ainge made that full court play to win a tournament game, and he was a great athlete. I said he played baseball, he played football, and Mike Smith. Mm-hmm. Mike Smith's not really well known player, Ani. You you probably don't know much. He played a little bit for the Celtics, but he was a big time high school quarterback, six eight, mm-hmm. like considered one of the best in the country. And he went on a mission, so it's pretty interesting there. So those are my two guys. They weren't big. I think Colin I would take as a little bit bigger, but as we go about. The McDonald's game's been over around over 44 years now, 1977, 1978. And then and like you said, there's not really no snubs. That there's some guys that deserve discussion, like Horace said, but there's been some snubs. So I wanted to go through this with you guys on, the, on as we segment to the next part of this show as we're as we're gonna wrap up here in a little while. All-time snubs. The guys who 
you know, the, the, not, nothing like Judah Mintz or Colin or a few guys we're talking about. I mean, guys that just were like, whoa, this is eye-opening. So I wanted to get your guys' take on that. Uh, Horace, I think you have a great one who yeah. would be uh, on, on anybody's list. Absolutely. Rod Strickland, uh, to me, uh, probably one of the best guard finishers in the history of the NBA, man. His, <laughs> his trickery and layup package is ridiculous. You know, if you hear um, yeah. uh, guys talk about it, uh, 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 Kyrie Irving got a lot of his his finishing packages yeah. from Rod because Rod and Dedrick, uh, Kyrie's dad, were friends from back in the day. Sure. Um, so for him, so, but he's been underrated his entire career. Yeah, he never made an All Star game, right? Yeah. Never made an All Star game. Um, uh, wasn't a McDonald's. All he did was play really good ball, man. I used to tell kids that coached that were point guards. Go watch Rod Strickland and look at me like the side eye, like Who, who's Rod Strickland? Go watch Rod Strickland. <laughs> yeah, go tell me that. You tell me he didn't have yeah crazy vision yeah. and a, and a layup package to die for. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think he was a big big miss. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I'll say something about Rod Strickland. Uh, I had on this podcast uh, many moons ago during the pandemic. Uh, Dwayne Cooper. He was a 1992 draft pick of the Lakers, Ani, and he played a little mm-hmm. while in the NBA, and we were talking about Magic Johnson at the time and him announcing that he had HIV and, and mm-hmm. learning a little bit about Kobe Bryant in his young years. And he goes, yeah, I got into a training camp, and I was good. I, he played with Harold Miner at USC. And he goes, I, I thought I was a guard. You know, I could stick in the NBA. He's all right. The first time I tried to guard Rod Strickland, he was like, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> he knew he was gonna probably be a backup. You know, like, <laughs> like just the guy was on another level without trying. Like, yeah, man, he was, he was yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, he was just an unbelievable card. Made it looks easy. Um, and, and again, we talk about those things, and and I would love to talk a little bit more with Steve Smith about it. He was an assistant coach, and he like he told me Rod had come over from Harry Truman in New York to Oak Hill, and he was kind of like the Rod Strickland police. Like, that was his job as an assistant coach to make sure <laughs> right. I didn't do too much. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and Rod just had a little bit of that reputation as a streetball player, as a guy, you know. Again, guys went to Oak Hill mostly from New York then who, um, you know, needed to improve their academic situation or needed to get straight. Right. So very interesting situation. Uh, he but the question, Rod, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but the question would be, yeah, would Rod have been snubbed today? In, in today? No. no, no, because Oak Hill has a better again. Oak Hill has a better reputation. I don't know if you know this, Ani. When Steve became the head coach, their first year they had a couple guys that were post grads, and people were like, "What is this renegade team?" And mm-hmm. it took them a few years, probably like five years, to clean that perception up. And then, like I said, in the early nineties. Rod graduated in 18, 1985, and in a, by the early 90s, they had a positive reputation. They were helping kids. It was a good thing. Okay. Then I started making the McDonald's game. So to to Horace's point, he had been in the McDonald's game over those over the group of guards who made it his year. Everybody Absolutely. Social media would have taken him over the top. You right, 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 right. Yeah. Especially like the plays he made and his handle and everything. Oh, my like, gosh. Oh, they would love him. his life sensation. He would have been a ball his life sensation. Shit, yeah. He is a ball his life sensation. Right. His, his highlights once in a while. And he's great on social media. He'll jump on there and say something once in a while. You know, hey, thank you or whatever. Or, hey, that was pretty cool. So that's pretty interesting. Ani, how about you? Who are your one or two big snubs? That would obviously be bigger than any guy this year. Yeah, I I, I thought uh, Jemias Ramsey um, in 2019. I thought that was a uh, I thought that was you know, just leading Duncanville to a state championship that year. I thought he had a really good summer and he walked the average about 16 points per game. I remember he started. He was one that was come that came on late. I know he went to IMG and then kind of came back to Duncanville. Yeah. I thought that was fairly. Uh, so I thought that was a snub. And I thought in 2018, I thought Tyler Hero. Um, I thought he was a he was a pretty big snub, and yeah. uh, I know he was at uh, it was <laughs> White Knoll, I think White Knoll, uh, yeah, yeah, in uh, Wisconsin. But I thought he was a pretty big snub. I I loved watching him during that summer <laughs> uh, yeah. too, and I thought that was kind of a no brainer. But yeah, very yeah. interesting. Obviously, uh, Jordan McCabe got a lot of the social media shine. <laughs> oh yeah, 
the stuff you're talking about that Rod would have got. Jordan yeah, McCain, all the all the prettiness. Yeah, yeah. Those are very interesting. Mike, Mike pick from 2018, and it was a really good class because we had a lot of them at the at the uh, Balls Life All American game. Uh, Jordan was there, uh, the guard from North Carolina who did really well. Uh, we had a couple guys that weren't in other All Star games that did good. James Akinjo, who mm-hmm. went to uh, Georgetown, uh, right. uh, Matt McClung. You know, it was a really interesting game. But the guy who I thought was snubbed and he did a really good job and he was on EYBL and he he was well known was Emmett Williams. Uh, he might have been a little bit undersized, but he dominated every time I seen him playing. And then the All Stars games, he was like terrific. So he was MVP in the Ball is Life All Star game. At the Jordan game, he went for 44. Obviously, it's a lot of dunks and stuff, but still, it was just his dominance. I thought he was uh, a a guy who I would have picked in 218. So, again, 218 is a very big, big class. Now, um, I'll give over my all-time, because I I researched this about uh, five years ago or so. I researched this, kind of playing off on what you said. And I wanted to go back to a guy Horace mentioned, but I'll give off my top. 10 and you guys can comment on them this and I'll, I'll mention them a little bit but i'll come back after i mention the 10. number one is glenn rice from flint northwestern in 1985 we go back wing forward and went to michigan rod mm-hmm. Strickland would be my number two more recent and i think he's the guy who brought up a lot of uh some of this what we're talking about in this whole podcast today onyeka kongu yeah. chino hills usc 2019 number three mark wilson who was a really good player. I thought he would have should have been like a Tyler Lewis from, from uh, Oak Hill who kind of deserved it based on his early season, senior year. He was a kid who led his high school team to a national championship. Trevor Ariza, who went to Westchester. Um, Hassan Adams had made it the year before who went to Arizona and Trevor went to UCLA. Uh, I remember at his Jersey retirement ceremony at Westchester High School in LA and Sonny Vaccaro and a few others are like, yeah, this guy should have made the McDonald's. He was, he was, I think he had all the accolades to make it. I thought that was a snub. I thought that was an easy, easy pick in 2003. Six is as Horace's guy, Cam Thomas. Horace, why don't you run down real quick (laughs) what Cam Thomas did? And, And you look at it and you're like, wow, this guy didn't make the game. That's the first time I seen Steve Smith jump on social media and be like, what? He was just like, what? What? What's going on here? He really did jump on social media and say that. Well, what's crazy is we talk about social media, right? How, yeah. you know, Rod wouldn't have been snubbed yeah. in the social media era. Yeah. He's in the social media era. Ken Thomas is. Yeah. Leads EYBL in scoring. EYBL offensive play of the year. Average 29 points a game in EYBL. Um <laughs> Yeah. He 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 led Oak Hill in in, in in scoring. He's he's SEC freshman of the year. He averages twenty four points a game his freshman year at, uh, at at LSU. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You, what, what 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 did we miss? Yeah. What, are <laughs> oh, we what did they at? miss? What right. are we looking at? <laughs> so he's yeah. number six on my list. Seven would be Muggsy Bogues. Now people say Muggsy. I know a lot about the team. I had Herman Harried. Uh, his his high school teammate on the pod before we talked, I talked to you guys about that greatest all-time teams. He was a guest and Reggie Williams was the number one or number two player in the country that year, 1983. And the, it was either him or Pearl Washington, depending on what day it was. And and Pearl played better in the all-star games. Reggie had a great senior year. He was the national player of the year on the best team in the country. Maybe the best team of all time. If you saw the Baltimore boys, 30 for 30, you've seen all that, you know a lot about it, but Muggsy was the dude that made them go. He was their team MVP. He was their leader. Who cares if he was five foot three? The great story I have about it is we all know how good Camden basketball's been for years and years and years. And their junior year, they went into Camden, and the fans there in Camden were laughing at their like, who is this team from Baltimore? And who's this little guy warming up? Like, are you kidding me? Uh, Adi, you may not know they had the number one player in the country, Billy Thompson. They had, yep, yep. Uh, I read, yeah, I read one. They had, uh, you know, they had Milt Wagner. Yeah, Milt Milt Wagner. Wagner. Mm-hmm. These guys are rolling, averaging 110 points a game. When I like, they're going to destroy this team. They, Muggsy took them apart. Couldn't bring though, they got some 10 second violations. 
picking guys. It was 84-59. They blitzed them. The first time they lost at home in 13, 14 years. It was like, mm. so, and he averaged, I have his, his averages right here. Uh, this is mud. He made, they made it out of Camden safely. Yeah. No, yeah. That's another situation. <laughs> that's another situation. So, Muggs, he averaged um, eight points a game, 10 assists and eight steals. And, uh, you know, Bob Gagan, who who created the McDonald's game, he remembers, uh, you know, he thought he, he told me this a few years ago because of his height that, you know, a lot of people didn't project him to be a star and, and nobody projected him to be a great college player. But he said they took Muggsy to the Capitol Classic because of Reggie. And, it, I mean, he went on to Wake Forest and played for a couple USA uh, Team USA teams. And he's a, just a great story. So yeah. he would be seven. Eight would be DeAndre Jordan. I'm looking back at my notes and looking back at things he did in, in the summer and at, uh, you know, the teams he played for in the grassroots circuit. I'm not really sure what was missing there. Uh, DeAndre played good at 2006 ABCD camp. As a senior, he averaged 19, 14, and five blocks. He was good. I, I, I don't yeah. see, I don't really see the reason other than that's a great class. 2007 is one of the best classes, probably the best class I've ever been able to evaluate. So he'd be eight. Uh, nine and 10, a little bit controversial. I think nine, I'll go Sergio McClain. Again, didn't project as a great all NBA player. He was a terrific high school player. He played with Frank Williams. And he played with the big man who went to Fresno State in high school's uh, Peoria Manual. They won the national championship. He was their father. He played for his father. He went to Illinois and he helped them to an Elite Eight where they lost to that Arizona team I mentioned that got posed by Duke. They lost in the 2001 Elite Eight. Uh, Sergio was a really good player. I just thought he deserved it as a high school player. Maybe he didn't project. He was ranked like 40 or so, but I thought he deserved it. And then my last guy to round out the top 10 would be Kawhi Leonard. Very interesting story with Kawhi. I just don't think he was in the right situation uh, grassroots-wise. He played on Renardo Sidney's father's team, and obviously Renardo Sidney was the star. Um, you know, people didn't really know who he was. I remember vividly some college coaches me asking me, like, who's that guy? They thought he was uh, the guy who went to Arizona. Was it Jordan Hill? Uh, I remember. Yeah, Jordan Hill went to Arizona. Solomon Hill. Solomon Hill. The names were switched in the book. The names were switched in the program. <laughs> Man, that Solomon Hills. God damn, he's good. You know, these guys didn't know who Kawhi was at all. Because they barely knew wow. the LA Dream team at all anyway. Because obviously they knew who Renardo was. They right. honestly knew who Renardo's dad was coaching the team. It was obvious. I mean, he stuck out pretty obvious. So they're trying to figure out the other guys on the roster. They're just kind of thrown together. And Kawhi was just good. He was good his junior year, pretty good. His dad had passed away during the season. He got murdered. And it was it kind of slowed him down a little bit. But he played well. And then by his beginning of his senior year, he was back strong. He was up 15 pounds. He was shooting the three better. And he was by far the best player in the state. But I just think it was too late. It was too late. Right. You guys hadn't yeah. seen him. Because everybody knew he was the best. Like, he should have been a Pac-12 recruit and was the best player on the on in California. But – it was like a missed opportunity. So th that's my 10. Um, you know, I'll, I'll put a, something on ballslive.com about it a little later. And I guess Emmett Smith, Emmett Williams would be my 11. So just very interesting there. Glenn Rice, my number. I talked to Bob Gagan, who invented the game, and he, this is what he said verbatim. He, he said, um, you know, the committee didn't choose him. We knew of him because – Back then, Ani, coaches, college coaches were allowed to publicly say things about high school players. Okay. They're not allowed to now, right? right now maybe right. sign them after they turn in their letter of intent. High school players can be recruited. High school coaches and college coaches were quoted in newspapers, and sometimes college coaches said the most outlandish things. Why? Because they wanted that recruit want to, to get the kid. Right. So they would say, this guy's the best player I've seen in 30 years. This guy's <laughs> this, you know. So Bill Frieder would call up and say, you know, Bill Frieder was all over it because he had great recruits then. He had Roy Tarpley. He had, you know, Joubert, Gary Grant. They had top five recruiting classes, and, and, and Glenn Rice was a little bit overlooked. But he called up and said, guys, hey, Bob, this guy needs to be in your game. And he goes, well, I'll tell the committee, you know, about him. And, and Glenn Rice was uh, 
the Mr. Basketball. Their team was ranked fourth in the country, 28 and 0. They were he averaged 20.8 points per game. He was even better as a senior, and they just I mean they just missed. <laughs> There's no other yeah, yeah. Yeah. They just yeah. missed. He was a great shooter, 6'8. Funny on he played with Andre Risen, the wide receiver, mm-hmm. and he played with uh, Jeff Grayer, who became an NBA player. So they had a great team, but like he was the star, he was the Mr. Basketball. So I don't really know what happened there, but that's my that's my list. And uh, good list, yeah. I, I really like the Cam Thomas. I kind of forgot about Cam. Wanted to close out with this because I meant you know, we talk about snubs. My big problem with social media and snubs is if you can't name who's coming off, don't tell me who's your snub. Right. <laughs> you're, you're, you're saying you're kind of putting another shine on another kid, but you're shitting on another kid, you right, know what right. I mean? Like you're you're Somebody has to come off. There's only 24 spots. So on that note, like with Onyeka, I mean, I'll just, I said it at the time, like, you know, Samuel Williamson or or Oscar Tashibi has to come off. Like, I don't Absolutely. have no problem saying that. Absolutely. No, I, I, I don't have no problem saying that publicly. Nothing against those two guys. I hope they have great long college and NBA careers. But, like, how did Onyeka become the sixth pick of the draft? It didn't just happen magically. Like, he was good. I mean – the funny thing is, he played on the most watched social high school team of all time, and like, <laughs> you know, like we still missed them. So, I mean, what did you guys think of that at the time? Did you think it was just, well, maybe they don't want a certain amount of centers? He's not ranked high enough. I, I don't see any logical explanation. I, I personally think it was just so much focus on yeah. those guys. Yeah, and you know what I mean because I, I, I we played against them yeah. when when he played. Um, they played AU together uh, in Vegas, yeah. and and he was a, he was a problem, you know. Yeah. So I think a lot of it was so so many eyes. You ever talk to a coach, and yeah. they go see a kid, and you say to them, "Hey, did you see Tom Johnson?" Yeah, nah, I didn't see Tom. Well, he played on that team yeah. that you went to go watch Bob James play play on. Right, correct. Well, I didn't really I didn't really pay attention to him. There it is. Right. Yeah. And that time Johnson is really good. It happens. Yeah. That's a lot like, of that. I take it back to that 2018 uh game with Team Takeover against Compton Magic. And oh, I think wow. everybody turned yeah. everybody's eyes to how good Evan Mobley was. Like people are like, okay, this guy is really good. Obviously, he's going up against a big kid from DeMatha, and there was another couple other big kids on that team, the kid at Michigan. And and it was a great game. And but Onyeka was Productive. People were like, he was always productive. He was productive in high school. He was productive with the Compton Magic. I think, like, to Horace's, Horace's point, when you look at a guy like Evan, it's you, you you can't take your eyes off him, or that's the guy you're going to grab gravitate towards and watch. Right. When you're yeah. watching the 6'8 guy who's blocking shots, doing the, the work, and it's like, is he, you know, maybe oh, you have questions. Because I remember somebody's a few prominent voters said that, okay, well, who do we take off? And I was like, you want me to tell you who to take off? <laughs> like, take, like, <laughs> right. So very interesting. You know, again, you it's still yeah. congratulations to all the guys who made it this year and who've all made it over the years. And again, we talk about snubs. It's just something to, so people have more insight. Again, all guys are, most of them are very deserving and except for whoever's on over Glenn and Rod, I'm not really sure. But besides I want to point out too though, lastly yeah. for me, just yeah. we talk about the snubs, but yeah. you know, the guys that just almost came out of nowhere, Ernest Uday, yeah, uh, who was relative unknown until last spring. Um yeah. JJ Starling, who started off hot, they almost disappeared. Like I forgot the kid even existed. Okay. And then had such a great summer. And, of course, right now, a lot of Mary's having a great uh, high school season. So, to me, you know, it's always good to see those guys have an opportunity to show what they can do, play that well, and to get recognized. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Ernest, like, like, I remember seeing him uh, when I went to Atlanta, and I was like, I was asking his recruitment at that time. I think it was, like, late April or early May. And then he was mm-hmm. telling me, I was like, yeah, Man, this can't be real. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, <laughs> and and so look, it's like you say, it's good that you know someone that just came on late and he made the game and completely deservedly so. But it was just like, whoa, like, right? 
it, <laughs> you know. Always good to see that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good to see guys come on. It's good to see guys who don't make it kind of project as we thought they would. Or like, I knew that guy was going to be that good. It's just very interesting when the neck gets like, He's just the number six pick of the draft, and wasn't that surprising? It was like, eh, that's where he should have gone. Especially <laughs> that game. I remember that game. Uh, that, was, that was packed. And like you said, it was like Evan Mobley. They had Hunter Dickinson on the other side. But Anyeka was just like – Steady. You know, rebound, rocket shots, just steady. Yeah. Just was really, really talented. Like, just, yeah. just did a lot. He just did a lot. Like, every yeah. time you watch him, he did a lot. Yeah, I think right. it's funny. The, the winning basket was made by a guard named Justin Hill – who was going to, I think he was signed with Tulsa and he hit the game with like the three pointer that put Compton Magic over the top. You just, obviously, Jared Lucas is at Oregon State, Johnny Juzang's at UCLA, but it's like in those games, that's how it happens, you know? And obviously, yeah. I think Hunter hurt his leg late in that game that hurt mm-hmm. the team takeover. He, yeah. he, he, he didn't play the last seven minutes of the game. But again, that's probably the best grassroots quote grass quote unquote grassroots game single game setting in probably the last five to seven eight ten years i can't think of one that was better where you had the talent level the build up the venue the setting where everybody was watching so very ronnie man what happened was the leagues happened right? you yeah. know before the leagues you always yeah. had that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 correct yeah. yeah let's hope we can get more of those in the future but yeah. i think for now i think we uh covered it you know i appreciate you guys coming on i wanted to let everybody know to make sure to check out ballslife.com for all of our podcasts you know unapologetic buckets and breakdowns noble and roosh noble and roosh does a really good job very popular it's in the game make sure to uh you know like subscribe for our notifications let us know what you think your feedback's appreciated you know we had a lot of audio uh listeners last week and when we hopefully you guys listen to this one and start watching our video on youtube on the the balls life podcast network we'll keep putting that out there want to remind people to go to the balls life store log on to shop.ballslife.com we have some specials going on and starting next week we're going to promo them if you listen to this pod there'll be some promo codes you can put in to start getting some some discounts so for Anyumana and horace naismith this is the ball is life in the paint show and we're going to sign off Thank you.